everybody, welcome to a special ghoulish episode of Media Review Pod, where we will be talking to filmmaker Marty Go and her Amazon Studios Bloomhouse movie Black As Night. My name is Richard Santiago, and today I'm bringing in some reinforcements. Since we will be talking about a horror film and horror films in general, I thought it would be prudent to bring in someone who knows maybe a little bit more than I do about this subject. So returning to the podcast as co-host today from the podcast Chichando, Giovanoski. Welcome back. Hey, thank you for inviting me back. I love this. This is my month. This is my holiday, favorite holiday. So I am excited to talk about horror movies. Yeah, and that's that's exactly why I brought you here. Uh, so welcome, welcome. And this uh, is not complete, right? We're missing somebody. Uh, you think? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, think I mean, so. I mean, <laughs> she's she's the reason why we're recording this, right? So, oh, uh, gotcha. Please welcome writer, producer, director, and all-around filmmaker Marty Go. Thanks for coming on the show too. Hi guys, thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm so happy that you're here. Uh, before we started recording, we were talking about how long it's been since we've seen each other. And uh, I, I left California in 2016, so I'm pretty sure we last time we saw each other was way before that. So it's really good yeah, to right. see you. I mean, I, I've seen you on social media. I've seen you on press. Uh, so I've seen you. I don't think you've seen me. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe just Facebook, like seeing posts and stuff and being like, oh, there you are. Oh, maybe. <laughs> okay. Okay. I got you. I got you. Um, yeah, I think Marty has been busy. Oh, for sure. For <laughs> sure. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so are you ready to dive into this pool of movie blood that we've prepared for you? I am very ready. Awesome. Very ready. All right. So you, you should have said, sink your teeth into. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> yes. hmm. Maybe that will come up later on. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. So aside from talking about your film, Blackest Night, we also want to do a Halloween-inspired lightning round, which we are dubbing To Die For. Okay. <laughs> But, and here we go, before we sink our teeth in... Let's do a little warm-up and get to know you a little bit, okay? Okay. All right. So here we go. Where were you born and raised? Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But I was raised in West Palm Beach, Florida. Okay. How long How long were you there? Uh, I lived in Pittsburgh for three years, but I've been in, I was in Florida for, I don't know, almost 20? Okay. All right. No, maybe 18. Maybe 18. So you consider yourself in... Floridian? I do. Don't okay. hold it against me. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. <laughs> so, uh, and so, so you were basically educated here in Florida. I say here because I live yes. here. Um, okay. So you did. You did all your elementary, high school, everything you did here in Florida. Exactly. And, uh, all right. Yeah. So I when went you... to an art school, Palm Beach County School of the Arts. Well, now it's called Dreyfus School of the Arts. And then I went to Florida State for my undergrad. And then I moved to New York very briefly. And then, oh, wait, this is lightning round. Oops, I'm sorry. No, no, this, this is not lightning <laughs> round. We're, 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 we, we can go into details. This, this is fine. I'll let you know when we're in the lightning round. Okay, okay. <laughs> so so you said you went uh, to this, uh, it's, it's a high school. It's for the arts. What specifically mm -hmm. were you targeting when you were there? Was there, was there a specific art form that, that you wanted to, to pursue? Yeah, so um, it's a magnet school. So you had to audition for it. And so um, I was interested in theater 
and I auditioned, got in. It was amazing. It was an amazing acting program. Um, and I was obsessed with theater, just loved it, fell in love with performing. And uh, yeah, that's where I really thought my career was going to go. I thought I was going to be an actress forever. By the uh, way, you're preaching to the choir because Giovanoski and I, we both have theater backgrounds. I have. Oh, a, I didn't know that. Yeah, I have a minor degree in theater directing. I love wow. theater. And Giovanoski yeah. as well. He, he, uh, yeah, I have, I have a minor in theater acting and I have been yeah. in uh, lots of musicals also here oh, in Puerto wow. Rico and, and theater in general. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's, man, he's, I love it. He's my, my uh, theater and, and uh, musicals guy along with his, with his uh, podcasting partner, uh, Adolphus. Adolphus, yes. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. So, Yay. okay. So, so you wanted to be an actress. Um, mm -hmm. And I can relate because don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in high school, I I also thought that I was maybe gonna be an actor. I I was in forensics competitions. Um, yeah. And I I just thought that that was that was gonna be it. I I knew I wanted to do yep. something in filmmaking, but I liked acting. And yep. then. Something about being in front of the camera and I don't know. Kills I don't feel, it all, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't feel the magic there. And so when I was an undergrad, I saw the theater program on the side and I said, wow, this is mm -hmm. really awesome. So even though it's yeah. a minor that I have, it it completely enveloped my experience at, at yes. uh, doing undergrad completely, even though I was doing telecommunications and doing some uh, production, TV production and film production. I was completely enveloped in theater. So it's a giant adrenaline hit, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, and you just feel the the presence and the energy and the power of being in a theater and you have this audience that you can communicate to, to be vulnerable to. And you just have like this cathartic experience with people. Yes. And at any given moment, you can change it. Every moment can be original yeah. and different. It's so fluid. And it's so powerful and amazing. And then and then the differences in, in movies, it's like everything is so controlled. Mm -hmm. And it's like, do another take, do another take, do another take. Calculated. And the whole crew is the whole crew staring at you like <laughs> we are hungry. <laughs> <laughs> we're hungry, we're tired, I hate this, let me go home. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's a completely different experience yeah. totally I, i'm glad that you guys <laughs> understand yeah. so you you said you you had you did a stint in new york mm -hmm. what was that all about so i went to new york and uh like i said i went to florida state and they do this thing every end of the year all the seniors will do like a senior showcase and we perform in front of a bunch of like agents and managers and i i had never planned on moving to new york i was like i am florida i'm brown skin I need warmth like I just <laughs> I don't like being cold and so I was like I have to be in LA but you know what I'm gonna do the show see if I get any agents managers see what happens and I got a lot of managers and agents they're all like in uh, New York you can have multiple reps so I was like oh this is crazy this is such a good response okay I'm gonna give it a try I stayed there for like a year and honestly it was one of the hardest years of my life it was freezing cold all the time <laughs> it was literally snowing in my closet because we lived in this crappy apartment wow. and the the heat wouldn't work it would just like spray hot water on us oh man and we got robbed 
in the middle of the day. <laughs> oh my god! And it was it was really really hard, and like try to to put myself through you know trying trying to act out there. I was I was bartending on the weekends and mm-hmm. and waitressing, and I was I don't know if you guys heard of the Avalon. It's like this old church that they turned into a club. I have not. I, no, it, it's scary. Oh. It's like layers of hell, okay? So ah, Dante's <laughs> the, Inferno. Like literally, like at the top, they they were having like swinger parties and I was serving bottles up there and I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing here? But it would, it would be so much money that I'm like, okay, great. I only have to work on the weekends and during the week I can audition, you know, but I was like witnessing like crazy things. And so it was a very, very tough time for me. And, and I was like, I have to get to LA. Like, this is not where I need to be. This is not where I will find it but so so you moved to LA still pursuing an acting career yes yes okay still pursuing an acting career and you know as a kid I was getting roles as like um in in Hollywood Florida I was I was casting roles as like Kelly Chang and like this cooking (laughs) show and like commercials and stuff like that and then moving to New York it was difficult moved to LA and then it was like okay now my auditions were you're the geisha and you can't speak English mm. or you're the nail technician and you can't speak English. <laughs> and yeah. so I was just like getting typecast over and over and over. Mm. And I had spent like this lifetime of training of like being a serious actor, but not being seen as a person. Mm-hmm. I was like this thing, this yes. to be on the side who could not speak. I'm like, wow, okay, this is not the life for me. And so I, I remember getting to a really low point and just being like, what is my purpose? What do I want? What kind of change do I want to make in the world? And I was like, I have to become a filmmaker to tell my stories to, to star people with, you know, people of color who get the opportunity to finally have a mind, a personality, character flaws, all that kind of stuff. And so I applied to USC with just like, a, a prayer just like I don't even know if I'm worthy of this school that's supposed to be like the best <laughs> school in the world who am I yeah. to whatever but I was like I have to try I just have to try and like I was really blown away when they gave me the opportunity so that was my kind of way into filmmaking so so this was a big shift for you did you have a mentor that said hey Marty maybe this is the way to go or that saw something in you that said, Hey, how about if you try filmmaking or is this something that just sparked in you? It, you know what? It was always inside of me. It was a really weird thing. Cause like, I remember being like 14 years old and being like, I want to move to LA and become a filmmaker. It was just always inside of me. I had never been into LA. I'd never even tried to make a film besides like, you know, stupid, like, you know, camcorder movies. Yeah. But I just was like, I have to go there and I have to make horror movies because I loved horror films. And I like wrote a list of all the things that I wanted to do in my diary. I'm like, I have to direct a horror film. I want to write them. I want to produce them. I also want to like do musicals. It's like, this is my dream. And like, I just always imagined that I'd be there. Like, and, and when it did come true and when I saw the opportunity, when acting wasn't working out the way that I dreamt it to be, because I had, I felt I had no control. I was like, oh yeah, that thing that I've been wanting to do forever, like this is the opportunity. This is where you can do that and take control of your life. I think you got my diary. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> but, oh yeah, God. I think that was a misunderstanding. Oh that was my diary. <laughs> it's okay, you can borrow it. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. Someday I'm, I'm gonna pursue it, so yeah. 
Oh my god, I love it so much. Is there a particular movie that you credit as the movie that said, "All right, I have to do this," or or they kind of, I don't know. You look back and you say, "This is this is the movie that inspired everything in me." Hmm. As a film director, um, doesn't particularly have to be horror. It, it's just a I movie. Think one of the movies that really have inspired me is Pan's Labyrinth. Um, I've watched that movie so many times. It has so many amazing complexities to it. You know, it's political. It's, it's talking about family. It's talking about, um, you know, so many things. And it's also horror, um, but it's a horror drama. And it's like this little girl who's trying to escape her horrible reality. And I, I and it also really influenced, um, my thesis film that I did at USC, but I've always strived to, to become like a filmmaker, like Guillermo del Toro, who's just, <laughs> he is a master and I have so much farther to go. But when I see his work, whoo. Yeah. And, yeah. and Alejandro Iñárritu, I, I watch their work and I'm just like, they're on another level, man. Yeah. They are on Absolutely. like, I, I, I don't know, but I watch Beautiful mm-hmm. and I watch Pan's Labyrinth over and over and over to just dissect these masterful uh, movies. Well, that's interesting, uh, especially uh, Pan's Labyrinth, because, like you said, it's 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 a horror movie, and not mm-hmm. just not just horror scary, um, but horror real life horror. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 interesting that that you like this movie, because it's it's one of these movies that even though it has digital effects for the creatures most of it yeah. is done practical and exactly. we're going to talk later about about this in your film but um, i think that's that's one of the things that really succeeds in in blackest night is all the practical effects that, that you guys employed oh, um all right so you go into film school you have nothing to base your knowledge in you said you knew nothing about it you get there and What's what's the feeling? Did you feel like you belonged? Did you feel like you were embraced? I mean, I feel like I was very, very intimidated. Um, I don't know how you felt, but I feel like most of everyone there was like, I know everything. I am so good. Mm. I know everything. And I'm like, just, I don't know shit. Just, like, just for I the audience, actor, by the way, if the like, audience if the audience doesn't know yet, Marty and I went to film school at the same time. Uh, she was probably you were what a semester behind or ahead? I think, I think behind. Okay, you're in Jarek's class. Yeah, right? I'm Jarek's class. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one semester behind. Right. But but we took some classes together, so that's mm-hmm. that's where we know each other. Okay, so you felt kind of intimidated. I felt the same way because yes, there there were uh, a couple of students there that, of course, they had that that air to them. They they you know, they they in those initial production classes you felt like maybe you were going to fail miserably because oh, totally. they knew quote unquote so much. Right. It, I mean, it was so much to learn in a very short amount of time. Cause as an actor, you only care about like yourself, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or like the person that you're talking to in the moment. Yeah. I'm not thinking about the cameraman or the crafty or the, how the producers feel or how the, I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just like, <laughs> how am I doing? Am I doing okay? Yeah. You know? And when you're in film school, it's like, so it opens up this giant world that you're like, whoa, this is a 
society of people that we have to like work together and make and build something that's it's so intense um but i i absolutely loved it you know it was very very intimidating but i felt like it was such a great learning experience and it forced me to grow in a very short amount of time so i loved it and what do you think was your biggest takeaway now looking back at film school my biggest takeaway was, yeah, I worked really, really, really hard <laughs> and I tried to get involved with every single movie that I could possibly um, get involved with. Um, I was like thrown into producing stuff because at the time, too, I was bartending, trying to pay my <laughs> rent and also attend film school. Um, so I had like a lot of I knew a lot of people in L.A. already from different different you know groups different dancers, different, like every, all different types of groups. Yeah. And when I got called in to like produce this musical, um, because I knew a bunch of dancers, it was probably the best thing that's ever happened to me because I found, a, I learned so much as a producer, how to build something from the ground up, how to put together a crew, how to put together a budget, how to raise money, how to write a, a script, work with so many different, every single department. Yeah and really start from the ground up and build my way. And, and, and I think the most valuable thing was like building that network of, of classmates and the people that I've worked, you know, in school with, I, I still work with to today. So that, that's probably the, the most important thing is just creating friendships and, and really great working relationships. All right. Um, so you've, you've been at it for a while and uh, I just wanted to bring up something uh, that's in the news. It's been going on for a while, and you and I have some experience with it, and it's the IATSE strike. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, for the audience, I'll just explain it real quick. It's you know, production staff in the International Alliance of Theater Stage Employees. They recently voted to authorize a strike over some disputes with the studios and producers about their schedules and their pay and their working conditions. And this is mostly for below the line crew, right? So almost everybody mm -hmm. working in production. <laughs> now these are really grueling schedules, okay? And they can easily compromise people's safety on set and elsewhere. So I'm sure you've heard stories. Why, why do you think that this has been allowed for so long? I think everybody had the, the thought that if the harder you work, the more, I don't know, the, the better or more, it, that it's a good thing. That like, if you grind yourself into the ground and you have no time to sleep, eat or rest, that you're successful. Hmm. And it's so false. You know, I spent almost a decade producing, line producing, and I know exactly how it is to grind myself into the ground. I was I was having like heart palpitations because I thought I was gonna I thought I was gonna die of a heart attack oh, wow. on some of these movies. Like I was like my, my heart's beating out of my chest. My mom's a doctor and I'd call her up and I'm like, Mom, I think I'm having a heart attack. I'm so I'm so scared of every day, like something's gonna go wrong. It's gonna just implode and and I'm all to blame because you know, being a line producer, you feel responsible for everyone. Yeah. But I had to keep going. I had to keep going and be like, it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter how about my health. You've got a project and I have a dream. So let's just sacrifice my health and my well-being to get to this dream. 
And I think after the pandemic, everyone saw that you can function like a normal human being and, and there's so much more to life than work. Yeah. You know, we're human beings on this earth for such a short amount of time and we've got families and good food to eat and I'm missing every single birthday, wedding, every event to fulfill this quote unquote dream for what? To share it with who? Because mm-hmm. then at the end of the day, who am I going to have? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I've completely shut everyone off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes that makes a lot of sense. And so going forward, do you have any recommendations um, for people to manage this? Absolutely. You know, when I was live producing, I capped it at 12 hours. I, I didn't care if we didn't get the coverage. It's like, then make the, the script shorter. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I'm not going to be here longer than 12 hours. This is horrible. I'm suffering. I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. I'm, I hate myself. I hate everybody. <laughs> I don't care. Like, you know, I cruise. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, th- that's it. That's all we got. You know, like that's go home. I want you guys to sleep. And, and I, I care. And so I think it's really important for people to care and realize that we're just human beings at the end mm-hmm. of the day. It doesn't matter who you are on the crew. We are all human beings. We deserve to be treated like people. Yeah. So like as a director, I still feel the same way. Like 12 hour days is so long already. If I could do 10, that would be amazing. You know what you I'm know, hearing? Like, you know what I'm hearing when I hear you say that? I'm hearing what? Joe Wallenstein. Joe Wallenstein in my ear. Oh, yes. Yes. He he was yes. he was uh one of our professors and he constantly was grinding that into our head. Mm-hmm. It's 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 not worth dying for a movie. Period. Yes. So yes. I I I I understand um that sometimes films can go over time or whatever, but your suggestions are awesome. I'm I'm um I'm really encouraged to hear a producer speak that way because I know producers who don't care and what they say is they don't say it to your face but you know the uh, the threat is there saying if you don't do it there's somebody behind you who is willing to put in all these hours and sometimes that's what keeps this whole vicious cycle going yeah Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I'm I'm really happy that that um, this is this is the thinking that's going on now, yeah. and that hopefully this this uh, strike uh, brings to light all of this that's going on, and yes. they are able to figure it out. Yep. All right. So moving on, uh, you did you said you you did some shorts at USC. You mm-hmm. said you started working from the beginning. Um, now, was your film work in tandem with your your USC film? It was actually both at the same time, and which, which is really mm-hmm. funny uh, that you're talking about the student films because every single film I did at USC was a horror film. <laughs> and, and I remember a teacher saying like, <laughs> why don't you try something else? But I'm like, but I love this. Exactly. <laughs> I, I can relate. But why? And then they're like, well, you know, horror films don't really win Academy Awards. And I'm like, okay, Exorcist (laughs) Day, but (laughs) I love horror. So why would I try something else? This is what I want to do. So I felt like a little kind of, kind of an outsider. Did you feel that way too? 
Like, uh, we're just like... Yeah, when when I submitted my thesis film, it's a psychological mm-hmm. thriller, and it's, it's non-linear. So yeah. I had a lot of pushback from most of the production heads. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't get it. I should make it more uh, simpler uh, for people to understand but no i i stuck to my guns um i i i i did what i do with everything which is yeah i take what i like from your feedback yeah and what i don't like i'll i'll keep it here just in case but i'll just do my thing um yeah and it worked out As i mean b- by by yeah. the end when the film was done because that's the thing they read it on paper and what they see is just a jumble of scenes that for them, it doesn't make any sense. But once yeah. you see the actual visual thing come to life, yeah, then they said, oh, so that's what you wanted to do. And, uh, and so so it's, it's one of those things where if you don't if you don't stick to your guns and s- start being influenced by what they want, then it's yeah. not going to work out for you. Yeah. So it's yep. it, it, I can totally relate. Absolutely. I yeah. Had, I had a similar similar experience with a college professor because mm. all of my films uh, were horror, and he was like, "Why do you keep doing horror?" I'm like, "Because I like it." And he was like, "But there is no audience in Puerto Rico for horror. Like that's not the type of film the what? Puerto Rican film industry does." And I was like. Have you ever been to the movie theater on a Friday or Saturday night? That whole line is for oh horror. God. That oh whole line God. was for Insidious, for wow. Saw. I was like, there is an audience wow. for horror. You know, yes. and, and my inspiration, I, I see a lot of horror, uh, especially Korean horror, Japanese mm-hmm. horror. But our major influence is American horror. So yeah. if, if my film uh, with a Puerto Rican crew it's kind of influenced with that, then the same types of people, the audience, they're going to relate because it's what they see, but only in Spanish. So, yes. so yeah, so that was my oh. thing. That's what I told him. It was like, all right. You got to make Puerto Rican horror films because yes. that is what I need to see. I've never seen that before. Yeah, all yeah. Right. I'm, That's I'm amazing. Get there, yeah. Joanoski, right, yeah. <laughs> we, we have an assignment then for Marty. We need yeah. to make a, a Puerto Rican horror film. Yes! Yes! <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Yes. All right. So, so at USC, you worked with a bunch of classmates um, and people who you are still working with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is there is there like a, a connection that you just feel like you you guys went through the trenches at the same time? And is is there oh, is man, there like there's... that camaraderie? Oh, like such in such a huge way. I mean. I don't know if you know um, Christina Malavenda or Shawn Michael Smith. They were they were years um, ahead of us, but Christina had graduated or not fully graduated yet. She left school for a bit. She came back. She wanted to do a thesis film, and this is the musical that I was the dance musical that I was talking about. Okay. And we were connected because she was like, "I really need a producer," and I knew all these dancers from you know working at the club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And they're like, would you want to produce this thesis for her? And I'm like, I've never produced, but okay, I'll try. And I just like got so much experience. I got all these 
professional dancers to come on to the this thesis film and it turned out amazing and Sean her husband just started hiring me right out of school so like after my I think it was like my first year um he got me to line produce a feature and mm -hmm. that was my first feature and that, that was terrifying Wow. to go from like barely doing a thesis film to do a feature but it, he just kept hiring me and then all the, that class started hiring me to do commercials features one after the other and so I was I was kind of doing the same thing like going to school learning everything I could directing my shorts but then also producing you know I was doing like Disney commercials and features and all this kind of stuff that I was like how is this happening but whatever it's work that's awesome so it was kind of like a it was working and learning kind of experience mm -hmm. all squished into one. But I, I still work with them to this day. And so is he uh, is he like a mentor to you? Um, ha, if he ever hears this, he's be like, oh, I'm your mentor. Oh, God. Well, I guess, well you know what? I, brought, you know what? He, he kind of is. Yeah, he brought you into the fold. Uh, you did. had you had no clue as to what to do with a feature. So that's I mean, very true. All right. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah. And you worked on other shorts that weren't related to USC. Is that is that true? Um, yeah. I mean, I would work on like just random people who would want to hire me as a producer, just like they had heard through the grapevine. And so they would just hire me to, to produce their short films and I would put it together a budget and find them crews. And it just kind of kept growing and growing. And, you know, after USC, it was like I could not – stop getting work which was amazing yeah at first when i first graduated i was like i don't know if i'm ever gonna work should i just be a full-time bartender even though i'd been working through <laughs> school i was like should i just go into full-time bartending and and i was like trying to find a job bartending and it's weird because after having so so much background in bartending in mm -hmm. new york and la and major clubs i for the first time could not get a job bartending I'm like, what is happening? Am I? This is not supposed to be my my life anymore. I I need to move on. I need to keep continuing what I'm meant for, which is to make movies, you know. And so then, um, I continued getting hired on different features and lots of commercials, and and then I kind of got wrapped up in that, you know. There's years and years of just me of you know, grinding it out, slaving away to make other people's movies. And, and it was such a great lesson in seeing, you know, the mistakes people were making or the su the successes that they were doing and what they were doing to make it work. I learned so much. I le I've worked with so many different people and seen different techniques and, and how you can uplift a crew or really, or really squish them down and make them feel crappy. And, mm -hmm. and I learned all these lessons. And then I was like, oh, Mar Marty, you got to go back to what you want. What, what, why did you you know, start filmmaking in the first place. And it was again to, to create roles for people of color like myself to be, to, to create work that people could empathize and understand and entertain, you know, through horror, through musicals, through, mm -hmm. through all of that. And so while I was producing, I started um, writing scripts and I would do like, you know, my 12 hour day and I'd be so exhausted, but I'm like, remember your goals, remember your dreams. And I would write, I would try to write at least five pages a night after being so exhausted, but I just kept imagining my life slipping away from me, you know, like, and the fear of never achieving my goals 
was so much bigger than the fear of rejection because that was a huge thing too you know like there there's i i think that i found solace in producing because i wasn't like the front man where like a director and writer you you get all the blame or all the praise mm -hmm. if your project succeeds or fails and i remember like even doing my usc thesis after finishing it i was so afraid of rejection so afraid that people would hate what i had done that I really kept it to myself. You know, I had a very small screening. And after that, I didn't submit it to anything because I was so embarrassed and afraid and ashamed that people would reject me. Mm. So coming to terms with that, you know, with that giant fear, again, my fear of never trying for my goals was, was bigger. And so now I find myself in this like space of like, keep going and face rejection. <laughs> or die <laughs> not having the things that I want in this life. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really started changing my life. And is that how remittance came about? Um, so I was pro line producing this feature called slight and okay. I had met, um, this guy named Brody Engelhard, who's now my fiance. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I met him and we just really clicked. He was on the camera team. And we started hanging out together and he was like, man, I dream of being a DP. And I'm like, man, I dream of being a director writer. And he's like, I write too. And I'm like, oh, let's do it together. Then we're like, the thing that I had seen a lot of filmmakers do successfully was, was to cut a little sizzle reel or a trailer yes. to accompany the feature that they've written. Mm. So I had always dreamt of like doing a Filipino horror film. You know, I was like, man, I want to bring like, Asian folklore out there that has never been seen. So I was like, let's go to the Philippines. I've got family there. I'll, you know, we'll get tickets. We'll bring a little camera and a drone and we'll just shoot a trailer. And in two weeks, we will write the first draft of our script. So then when we were done, we had a full length script and a trailer. And I was again scared, but I was like, I'm going to get some feedback from some friends. And people were so receptive and so kind and you know that's how i got my first um manager that's how um the the production company that had always seen me as a line producer was like oh you need to, to direct this is this is amazing you know and so they gave me the opportunity to change my you know my past because i had like done the work to create this thing that um that i loved yeah yeah wow that's a, that's a pretty cool story. Good for you. Wait, can Good I tell you a little bit about remittance first? <laughs> yes, absolutely. By all means. Yes. Just for, for all the people listening who really want to be filmmakers, like this was literally made from like <laughs> no money, no money. Like I just happened to be going to my sister's uh, 40th birthday cruise to Alaska. And I was like, okay, I have to go here anyway. Cause it's very, it's a very special family kind of thing, but I, I have to keep creating. And I remember like just searching the internet for like contests I could like join to, to further my career. And, and that's, that's the contest that I remember uh, Coog did the um, HBO for African-Americans. Yes. Right. And I was like, Oh man, there's gotta be something for Asians or, you know, people go there. Let me, let me find it. So I found that contest. I was going to go on that cruise and I'm like, okay, I got to shoot a short. And I got to do it on this cruise ship because this is a crazy production, like production value. Right. 
So I, I went there and I brought, you know, my boyfriend and we're like, okay, let's, let's bring a little tiny camera. I'm going to figure out what people wear on cruise ships so that I can like play a character on there. Mm -hmm. And let's just like, I know it'll be about a Filipino cruise worker because Philippine Filipinos fill these cruise ships. They are the workers. They are the backbone of yeah. every cruise ship. Yeah. So I'm like, and the, the call was like, what is home to you? So for Filipinos, it's it's remittances. So your home is your work, and then you send all your money to all your loved ones at home. Yep. You know that's what my mom does. That's what my dad does. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna be on this cruise ship. I have no money to make this. It's just gonna be me, him. We had one light, <laughs> and this amazing ship that we were just gonna shoot on because we didn't ask permission. We just did it. Yeah, guerrilla and, style. And guerrilla style. And got just amazing production value. And um, we hiked up this like um, this glacier, went inside of it, and just shot all this all this amazing stuff. And like, man, for no money, for for nothing, but j with just passion and the bare necessities, we were able to show like our story. And it and it was one of the winners. And it really also just gave me. I don't know, so much encouragement that our stories need to be heard yeah. and that your voice does matter. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. And that, that short film uh, was one of the winners at the HBO APA Visionaries. Yes. So congrats on that. Thank you. When, when you started thinking about features, this movie Phobias came along. Mm -hmm. And it's not, a, it's not a feature per se for you, but it's part of a feature because it's mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, an anthology. Yeah. Um, so this was your first foray into kind of big, I I'm assuming, a big crew directing experience, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. So you wrote this episode. Were you aware of the other stories that were going on at the same time? Yeah. Um, so it was a little difficult because when we were brainstorming to create this, it was kind of like, all right, we know we want to do an anthology horror film. What do we do? And like <laughs> me and Jess were like pitching to Eric Fleischman, the producer, um, all these ideas. And then we kind of came to the, to the, the idea, he came to the idea of like, let's do phobias. And I'm like, okay, what's the scariest thing that's ever happened to me? And it was the time when I felt the spirit take over my car and yeah. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> Um, and so you made the story, you made your story part of, of this anthology film. Exactly. That's and it's awesome. not your traditional phobia. I didn't want to do like the traditional, like, oh, I'm scared of bugs. Yeah, or yeah. I'm scared of you know, <laughs> whatever. I wanted to do something that, that, you know, is not traditional and was one of the scariest moments of my life. So I, we, we kind of all went our separate ways and each person kind of formulated their, their, their short. To be honest, we didn't know if there was going to be a through line until like after we had written <laughs> the shorts. Okay. And then it was kind of like shoving the, the the through line into these stories that were already written and trying so hard to put it together. Um, By the way, awesome opening shot in in your short oh, in thanks. your in your uh, episode. Um, yeah, that one was awesome. I really awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right, so I think this is a good time to hop into our new segment. I'm ready. All right, so this is our lightning round. I will ask horror-inspired questions. 
You answer mm-hmm. as quick as possible. There are no right answers. Here we go. So, a group of teens is trapped in a cabin in the woods. You are after them. Who are you? Jason, Freddy, Chucky, Ghostface, or Freddy. Michael Myers? Freddy. No no contest, Freddy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Jamanowski, do you have do you have an answer for this? Yes, I'm going to say Jason Voorhees. <laughs> Because he's a tall, strong, muscular man, which I am not. <laughs> <laughs> you look yeah. muscular from here. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm all bones. All b- <laughs> Slashers or torture porn? Slasher. Jovanovsky? I'm going to say slasher, even though my, my favorite movie is Saw, but I'm going to say slasher. All right. <laughs> I say slashers, too. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, grounded to reality horror or supernatural horror? Supernatural. Yeah, supernatural horror. I like me some poltergeist. <laughs> conjuring. I love, de- I love demons, man. It's just like growing up in a Catholic ho- household, it's like... Yeah. They are real. <laughs> Rich, I've yes. been exercised. I told Richard the other day. Oh, I got I was exercised by my mother. <laughs> oh, I got to hear that. <laughs> that's that's incredible. All right. Uh, vamps or werewolves? Vamps. I'm going to say vamps, yes. All right. I'm going to say werewolves. And, this, and there's only one reason why I choose this. I love the transforming thing. Okay. Not the whole digital thing, mm-hmm. um, yeah. just uh, like a werewolf, uh, American werewolf in Paris or no, American werewolf in mm. London. Um, not in Paris, in London. I like Paris. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys saw that, that um, Lovecraft Country. Did you guys see that? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. So there are no werewolves there, like per se, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the transformation that one of the characters has from a white girl to a black woman is is like the yeah. best werewolf transformation ever yep. ever there's yeah. one particular scene where the camera goes around her while she's transforming and it's just it's incredible i yeah. i love it so richard yeah, wolf yeah. transformations they seem like they hurt a lot <laughs> i don't want to do i know i know i enjoy them it's, i enjoy watching yeah. them <laughs> oh, i enjoy watching them yes 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 okay um Get out or being John Malkovich? Get out. <laughs> okay. Get out. All right. Um, I'm going to skip that one. Uh, no. What was your favorite scary movie as a kid? Poltergeist. Favorite movie now? Scary movie. Drag Me to Hell. I, I keep watching wow, it. Wow. Okay. I can't, I can't awesome. stop. I, I really like that film. Yeah. Okay. So there's a noise coming from the basement. Do you run out the door, go investigate, Turn on the lights or ask, who's there? Who's there? Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Thank you! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, you're alone in a two-story house at night. When you go to bed, do you turn off the lights and walk leisurely to your room upstairs? Turn off the lights, quickly run for your life up the stairs... Or get to your room and ask Alexa to turn off the lights. First one. What about you, Jovanovski? 
Yeah, me too. The the first one. I do it all the time. I'm not afraid yeah. of the dark. I was a big proponent <laughs> of B until I found Alexa. Granted, I have <laughs> oh. a one-story house right now, but when I was a kid, okay. it was just one of those things. There's always a shadow behind me, and I gotta. Yes. I just. I have to haul ass. Oof. Oh. Yeah. All yeah. right. Uh, if you happen to come upon a ghost, would you rather it be someone you knew or just a rando asking for help? Ooh, I. I want to know who it is. I want to talk to them. All right. I would, I would love that. Yeah, I'm still waiting for my best friend to show up. So, yeah, someone I knew. Okay. Yeah. Janet Lee in Psycho or Drew Barrymore in Scream? Psycho. Drew Barrymore. I'm going to skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, last, last one. If money is not an issue, what would be your ultimate scary Halloween costume? Oh, costume. Oh, awesome. man. It Ooh. could be. It could... The Pan's Labyrinth dude with the eye. I would I would love to be oh, that Oh, yeah. That would be amazing. Okay. All right. What about you, Jovanovsky? You answer first. <laughs> oh, I would absolutely be Freddy. But real Freddy. Not not mask yeah. wearing Freddy. Yeah. I would just, yeah, exactly. I would do whole latex oh, paint. Oh, that would be so much fun. Yeah, all of that. All of that. Mm-hmm. Jovanovsky. You you don't have an answer? Like I want to be a corpse. Maybe the the kid in Devil's Backbone. You know. Ooh, yes. Okay. The whole water yes. stuff. Some. Oh, illusion. that's awesome. Okay. Well, that does it for our lightning round. Now, how about we go into our feature segment? Let's talk a little bit about Black as Night. So I've come up with my own non-spoilery synopsis. So here goes: a coming of age story where a teenage girl finds her calling during one fateful summer in which she is confronted with loss, friendship, love, and vampires. <laughs> All right. I love that. Blackest <laughs> Night. I love that. I actually feel like that's better than the log line that we created. <laughs> All right. It's honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, yeah, with the emphasis on vampires. Vampires. I love that. That's so good. So uh, Blackest Night was written by Sherman Payne, and it was directed yeah. by our guest today, Marty Go. So, Marty, we'll, we'll, we'll start without spoilers first, and then we can go deeper into some spoilers chat. So chronologically okay, cool. speaking... Production-wise, this would be your second full feature, right? Okay, so I've done another movie called Rise. It was my first full feature-directed movie. Yeah. Um, it was supposed to release during the pandemic. Then the pandemic happened, and so the movie's on hold right now. Okay. Then the anthology came out, and then now this is my second full-length feature directing, but first full-length feature to release. Okay. Okay, got it. Yeah. So how did this one feel different from the one that you did before? I mean, completely different. So this is a, this is a studio movie, mm -hmm. and I've always done indies. And so even though it's considered a very low-budget studio movie, I had so much more support than I do on indie movies. You know, we had, like, a locations department and, like, these caterers that were, like, doing banana flambés. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just like full support and it ran like a TV show. So even though these films, um, you know, they're films because they're like an hour and a half long, they yeah. ran like a TV show. So all of them had the same crew and they would swap out the DP and director. 
Okay. And they would also coincide. So like two weeks into the the ending of one movie, I was I was in the pre-production office and we would rotate. Were you uh, are you now a, a part of these two big companies, Amazon and Bloomhouse? Do you feel like you're part um, of them? Oh, yes. By the I way, mean, congrats. Absolutely. Because this is this is so Thank awesome. You. It is so, so awesome. Oh, and I, I know man. Jovanovsky is is over the moon that he's talking to you because he loves oh. Bloomhouse. I mean, yeah, Bloomhouse yeah. saved horror yeah. for this generation. So, Yep, agreed. It, it's it's such a dream come true. I I absolutely love Blumhouse movies. Like I'm obsessed with them. And so to like be in this position and and doing this is is crazy. Um, it was a very 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 fast process. Like very fast. Um, I was pitching another horror film to Amazon, and they were like, "Okay, well we're not going to buy that one, but we have a series going on, and we're looking for a director. Would you be interested in?" and pitching for like a vampire movie. I'm like, yes, I would. And so, you know, I put together the pitch and in one week I pitched it. The next week I found out I got it. I flew to New Orleans and we just literally hit the ground running. I was wow. booked all day going location scouting, casting, meeting with production. Like it was like, I read it like probably twice before I got it. And I was like, oh my God, what's going on? It was like, my head was spinning. It was like, go, 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 go. But, you know, of course, you're going to take an opportunity because this is like everything I wanted. So. Yeah. It's in the diary. <laughs> in the diary, guys. It's all in the diary. You got to check it off. So yeah. I, I, know, I know that getting your foot into, into one of these production houses is, is not the easiest thing to do. So no. what advice would you give any aspiring horror filmmaker out there wanting to, you know, reach a company like Boomhouse or New Line or... Anybody oh my god keep creating keep creating like think of your monster or your story write down write the feature shoot a short a trailer anything it could be 30 seconds long and you can get a feature if it's scary and if it's good and if it's not good keep creating keep getting better and better and better and better because like i think one thing that i see is people see that the one short that they did failed or what they considered failed because mm -hmm. they got a bad review or somebody thought it sucked and so they quit because they're like i'm not meant for this mm. you know how many times i fail i fail all the damn time and it breaks my heart every time but like do, did i love making it did i love creating it yes i did And I get to achieve my dreams, even though people think it's bad or they don't approve of it. You know what? I'm going to take this feedback from the people I care about, from the people I respect, and then I'm going to take those lessons. I'm going to create something else. Yep. I'm going to keep creating to get there. And if you want to make a Blumhouse movie, if you want to make an Amazon movie or any movie at all, first figure out the who and why you are. What is your purpose in this world? And I know my purpose. And so once you know that purpose, get that story idea with that purpose behind it. Put all of your passion and your love into it. Create that thing and it will it'll magnetize people to it because it's so true to you. Yeah. It's so much of your 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 passion that like you can't deny when passion is is in front of you. And then when you inject your personality or the thing that makes you special. I mean, there, there, there's nothing that competes with that. You know, nobody can be you. Mm -hmm. 
And when you hear that, like that distinct voice, that's so different from everybody else. And man, it's, it's just special. So I, I just always advise people to keep creating and never stopping and not just creating, but showing everyone what you have, getting feedback and like getting advice on how to grow. Once you create a body of work, people who are looking for the things that you are making, they're going to be like, oh, you're the person who, who did those shorts that whatever. Oh, you're, you're, you're a horror director. Of course you are, even though you haven't done anything professional. I made a bunch of horror shorts and they can look at all my stuff and they can be like, okay, you are doing it. You're legit. Let's, let's put you, let's put you there, you know? Mm-hmm. So just keep creating. So how yeah, involved? It's, it's... Yeah, go ahead. It's, it's true what you say because uh, I know of two examples. Uh, the mom, the mama movie came from a yes. mama short and lights yeah. out, which was mm-hmm. also very scary. The the original one. It was just a scene. You know, yeah. it was it, it didn't have a character development. It didn't have it. It was just a a horror scene, a suspense scene, and then yeah. it it came to a movie. So that's very good advice. And and yeah. So okay, purpose, purpose. <laughs> writing it all down. <laughs> were you involved work, uh, work work were you involved collaborating with the script at all i was um it was hard because it was so fast and th- this mo- this script requires a lot a lot of effects so many effects so many characters so many locations and with we only had 17 shooting days like what? That's really, 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 really what? hard. <laughs> wow. It was Holy so shit. hard. Oh my yeah. god! Wow. It was it's... college, all over again. Yeah, I mean, it was like very like you gotta go and you gotta go now, and it's like okay, there was things that could not fit the budget, and so I'd had to work with the 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 um, Sherman, the writer, to like figure out how can we get this down so that we can actually accomplish this story because mm-hmm. it's so big. Like it needed like at least double the budget to do what we were doing <laughs> properly. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like it was it was very 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 difficult, but we worked together to try to to make it fit within the budget it was just it was hard yeah i want to hear later what was left out that's very interesting yeah (laughs) i mean also shooting during the pandemic it limited everything so we shot half the movie before the pandemic got shut down midway and then came back four months later after everybody had been like chilling at home (laughs) and and then we still had the same amount of days they didn't they didn't add more days and then they took away our crew so we had a huge crew and then it turned into like okay we can only fit 25 people in a room at the same time so you have it became like an indie movie and then we had shorter days because of covid restrictions which is fine but the same amount of days as we had before and then it was we were shooting during hurricane season so there was lightning storms every single day that that pushed our schedule by Mm. hours so there was a lot, a lot, a lot of challenges, especially during shooting all because we we didn't shoot any of the the fight scenes until we got into the pandemic. So like all of like the climax and Wait, all so that all, kind of all stuff. That, was all that all the contact stuff happened yes. after COVID. Yes, oh. and it was so hard. Dude. And um, 
you know, I'm I'm honestly just thankful we got a movie made and and finished because it was under very 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 difficult circumstances. Yeah, well, congrats on that, man. It, go, I, Marty. I, go. It, it sounds it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like hell, literally. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> that so hard. Incredible. Um, so yeah, a similar thing happened to me, but on a much smaller scale <laughs> because I too was working on a modeling reality show when yeah. COVID happened. So we were like two or three episodes in when we had to shut down. Yep. And then try to sneak our way back before it was even legal to do it. Oh, yeah. We, we, we were shooting and stuff. We were like, let, <laughs> let's not let anybody catch us. Yeah. Like, and and Jovanovsky, yeah, you got to edit some of your stuff, right? Well, the thing is, since we were at home and I we already shot like two or three episodes, like, yeah, I started editing it and I had time to like do something good or th that I, you know, dedicate time to that. Because otherwise, I would have been, like you said, a, a very fast schedule. Yeah. So at least the first three episodes were okay. Then the other one, we started shooting again. So it, it was fast. But but yeah. It was what, a good what about you, Marty? Were you yeah. able to, to work on some of the dailies that you had? Or was it just hands-on? Um, we tried to edit it together, but there was a lot missing, you know? Okay. So it was like, yeah. we don't know how this is going to be. There's a mm. giant, there's giant mm. holes. You know, we tried to do as much work as possible. Now, that was another thing that was very difficult. I couldn't be with the editor. And so there was no like live editing. He would have to like do the whole thing, then send me piece by piece by piece. And it was just like, oh, I can't see it all together and we can't be together. How are we doing this? You know, um, but yeah, it was just like a whole completely new world of trying to figure out how to make a movie and all with, no, with being with nobody, you know, and especially doing a vampire movie they weren't allowed to touch. So we actually had to like place their heads like a theater kiss where like this. Oh <laughs> and we had to VFX God. out all these masks. And then there's a lot of coughing in the movie and we're not allowed to do coughing. So people are going. <laughs> so faking it. They're faking it. Oh, man. All faking it. People were not like, they're oh like my. six feet apart, six feet apart. And it's just like, oh, God. So uh, all, all the coughs were folied in? Yes. All the coughs were folied in. They were all fake. We weren't allowed to cough. Wow. Um, there was bites that were all like three, two, one, hold your breath, go and angle your head. Do not touch, you know, <laughs> hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Okay. Apart. You know, it was just, oh my God. we were doing rehearsals with like, like Matt, like, you know, um, the visors. And so it's like, yeah. they're supposed to kiss and it's just like, clank, clank. <laughs> very <laughs> sexy. Really funny. It was very oh funny. man. Well, I, I've noticed a, a trend in your films and you've, alluded to this before that you you have minorities uh and they always take center stage um and i think that's great you know let's make stories about us about humans that's that's awesome about people who come from yeah. different backgrounds which happen to just mm -hmm. be part of these stories that's that's exactly. amazing um now uh Jovanowski was he was mentioning to me that um some audiences have criticized hollywood for race bending right uh race bending well-established characters like like fantastic four a little they, mermaid they, thank you yeah you yeah. you were you were the one who came up with with, with that mm -hmm. uh, observation joanski so thank you for chiming in yeah um yeah go ahead no um the thing that that popped into my mind was like instead of rebooting like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer as a black character, mm -hmm. you created your own Vampire Slayer. Uh, Slayer. Mm -hmm. Was that intentional? It was absolutely intentional. And 
we are very much suffering from people who do not want to see people in these roles. You know, I, I think I looked at reviews like once and I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> what did it say? I mean, like, it's not even worth my like energy okay. because it's like, oh, what are all this woke bullshit? Why do we have to have like a black person? And, so it, and then like there's there's it's so much of the conversation. Yeah. Like, can we just not and just like see it as a person? Exactly. A person who is battling vampires. Do we have to analyze all the time? Like our skin, we are so much more than our skin, guys. Come on, man. Like, and the thing is that we exist. I mean, it, it's, it, we exist. Like if you go outside of your house, yes. they're going to see uh, yes. a person of color. So yes. Let's I, normalize I, this, that they can be the protagonist. Like, uh, so, um, yeah, I, I completely understand the whole race bending thing and and feel like I, I'm definitely experiencing some of that right now. Mm. But you know what? You've got to move to, to make great change. You've got to move forward. You got to put one foot in, in front of the other because this is not regular. This is not the norm. This is the whole reason that I became a filmmaker to, yeah. to make that change. Absolutely. And I gotta just ignore the haters and and keep creating yeah. and and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about New Orleans and and Hurricane Katrina because this is something that has become a shared trauma to much of the people who live in New Orleans, the Hurricane yeah. Katrina thing. And, and I, I, yeah. I kind of relate because here in Puerto Rico, we had Maria, Hurricane Maria yeah. three years yeah. ago. So yep. yeah, that, that was very relatable. Yep. So, so I, I, I really found it interesting how you brought this into the fold in the story. You know, these children who don't really remember what happened, but their entire lives have been affected mm -hmm. one way or another by this. Among the many themes that that uh, in, in the movie, um, you deal with race uh, mm -hmm. and marginalization, and yeah, those those two are at the top. So, without spoiling too much, what what sparked that idea? Um, I want to go back to what you were saying about how you uh, experienced Hurricane Maria too, because Filipinos experienced typhoons right. and. You know, um, my uncles, three of my uncles were wiped away in a typhoon, which, you know, my dad was born after that. But his father, my grandfather, became extremely uh, abusive because he was so hurt from the loss of those sons that he, he became extremely abusive to my father and in turn abusive to me. That is generational trauma. Mm -hmm. experienced from a natural event which yes. i really also resonated with this movie too it's like these things that happened that cause people to do bad things or get addicted or you know try to to cope with the problems that that this event caused um so um you know the the, the way that it came into the story was um Sherman actually wrote this like 10 years ago and um, it was actually placed in New York where he, he used to live as a kid. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then the script had been like passed around from studio to studio and people just weren't biting, you know, they really liked the story, but it just wasn't time. Mm -hmm. And now in, you know, what's been happening in the world, you know, politically, it was like, 
after Get Out, it was like, these stories needed to be heard. The whole slate of films were to be set in New Orleans. So he actually had to rewrite the script to to format it to it. But it, it had all of the same kind of themes that he had intended uh, to, to talk about, you know, which is generational trauma. Yeah. And um, so New Orleans was, was perfect, um, kind of a perfect ground for that because not only – was there Hurricane Katrina, but you know, there's so much slavery there. Even the, the, the mansion that we were shooting at used to be a plantation. So we, we oh. saw all these old photos of, you know, the cornfields that used to be there and, mm-hmm. and all of this, this trauma that exists there. And so for the people that were in it, we, we mostly cast people from New Orleans that, that completely understood and resonated with the story um, where we are shooting. I remember the neighbors just walking by and, and there's a scene where, um, Sean is sitting with her father at the base of this house that blew away. And they're talking about the history of that. And all the neighbors in the, in the neighborhood were like, Oh my God, that's bringing back so many bad memories. Cause w- we experienced that's how a house would look when, when your house blew away. Yeah. There, there was so much that happened during hurricane Katrina and, uh, just felt like it was being swept under the rug just as like hurricane Maria, same thing people crying out for help and, and being ignored. And so there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 re- I really like uh, these stories that weave bits of history into their narrative in order to create, mm-hmm. you know, this, this kind of alt reality for, for your specific story. I think, I think it really, really works in, in this movie. So before we go to spoilers, if there's anyone listening out there who still hasn't seen Blackest Night and you're listening this far, please turn away. Go see Blackest Nights and come back to finish <laughs> off the episode. Okay, here we go. So was it your intention to ever make Shauna like a daywalker by the end because of her darker skin? I know this is kind of a plot point that they mention, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I... I, I don't know. I kind of expected that at one point she would be turned into a day. I don't, w- w- what was your intention with that? First, I want to say that I'm referencing Shauna with my sure. bucket hat. Yes, because... yes. I love it. <laughs> oh my god that's amazing Stay, staying away from the sun uh-huh. <laughs> yes 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 um no we didn't because because the way that Babino was like he was so filled with so much hatred hatred and vengeance and and all of that was a detriment to the forward movement of the black community. Okay. And for her to, you know, become the daywalker, it was almost if she were to accept his proposal, it would be, I don't know, really okay, listen, if she accepted his proposal and fought against him, you know, like we're doing like a blade or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> then, then yes, but the the intention was that she was going to rise above the the hatred and move forward in a positive way because that's really what I wanted to express mm-hmm. that like yes we've this country has done done some crazy terrible things now it's time to look at all these things that have happened let's move forward together and make it a positive a positive step in the right way so yeah no i i i didn't think that she was ever going to be a join his ranks no okay <laughs> All right. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, you know, uh, along the decades, there have been many versions of vampires. What rules do you think were necessary for your vampire story? Mm. Well, the sun, definitely. Because 
what was really interesting was the whole melanin part. The thing that made her feel the weakest and the most vulnerable became her, her superpower, which really, really leaned in, you know, that role really leaned into, you know, the deeper meaning of this story. Mm -hmm. So that, that was very, very central. Um, No sparkling vampires. No, (laughs) (laughs) I definitely did not want that. (laughs) Um, you know the teeth transformations. That was that, that was absolutely teeth. a must have. That, yeah. That's a must yeah. have. You love the transformation. I love the transformation. I, it's just it's just so fun. Like you can't yeah. lose the teeth. That's with, that's a yeah. You know, that's that, what defines a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> because with vampire rules, there are some certain uh, key points. Like you know the sun. There's also the rules of the turning. How do they turn? Mm-hmm. What are their mm-hmm. weaknesses? And yeah. what are their causes of death? So yeah. which, which do, you, do you think you needed for your movie? Also, the the one where you have to die. So you can't just get yes. bitten. You've got to completely die uh-huh. and then transform. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really important for the ending. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. But it was also important for Shauna's character, too, because she didn't completely turn or she would be on the wrong side. Yeah. But she still had the memory of what had happened to her. And so that was really, really important. What ha- happened was. What ha- happened was. <laughs> so speaking about those vampires and 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 having race be such a big part of their identities, you know, I like the fact that you point to a big point of this disenfranchisement and segregation within their own community, uh, mm-hmm. where you have the homeless who are the most vulnerable. You also have addicts. You know, it's like a cult. Like could they, yeah. they they target these these people specifically because they know they are more vulnerable, um, right? And uh, I it was also curious that uh, they were delving into pedophilia and I got some sex trafficking vibes as well. It's like this whole <laughs> um, underground nasty uh, everything that's wrong with us as a society mm-hmm. was reflected with with these uh with these vampires um and those teeth they were i love the teeth they were so many so big yeah. um they were not two not three not four there was just a whole mouth yes. of yep. jagged fangs it was it was awesome that that was really fun to make um i those like, were practical, pulled all these the way, references right? were they practi- they were practical right they were all practical, all like handmade, all individualized wow. teeth. Even the eyes were hand painted by this girl named Jessica with Veiled Optics, who's one of two people in the whole world who um, know how to do the method of painting contact lenses. And oh. so we we kind of designed each tribe with certain pattern of eyes to you know kind of delineate them, and it was awesome. And so they they were full sclera which was super fun, but you also have to take them out of your eyes every half hour to let your eyeballs breathe or yeah. you can get infection. Mm-hmm. And so that was time consuming, but it was awesome and totally worth it. <laughs> All right. So so I'm assuming you used uh, some CG, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, it was a big combination of it. Okay. All right. Yeah, so, I love the eyes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. So we had the context. So the rules of their eyes were... Once they've you know turned their eye their eye contacts were there, their eyes would reflect like animals because I wanted to kind of yeah yeah I got you know that. Yep. reach from the animalistic side yeah. of a person like when a you're wolf. 
exactly like a wolf or like a dog like my my dog over here like when you hit the, the light in a certain way it reflects mm-hmm. um he's brought the animal outside of them and so um and then the teeth would transform and uh they had nails uh so those were the the kind of rules that we had for for, for all that the mm. nails are very important because johnny depp in dark shadows yeah. he said that he completely transformed when he had Though those nails because you, you move differently i completely you... agree i you know love our makeup team but it was since it was a low budget really really fast shoot they were really concerned about it and like having enough time and i'm like guys we have to have nails like the details yeah. are so important you're gonna yeah. see it you're gonna see how they move like you're gonna see it in the shadows it's exactly. very important so yeah, thank you, you said- for I that. want Cardi B nails, okay? <laughs> exactly, exactly. How much? How much fake blood did Keith David have to endure? Oh my God, he actually loved it. Because <laughs> he, he was like, "Give soaked. me more blood! Give me more blood!" Oh. What? Really? He was like, "Give me, give me a bottle, okay? Give me a bottle. I want, I want it spurting from my mouth." He's That's like, awesome. Gluh, gluh, gluh. And he wasn't drinking; he was holding his <laughs> yeah. mouth, and I'm like, "Action!" He's just like, Rah! like he's just <laughs> eating a body. He loved it, man. That is awesome. It was his dream yeah. to become a vampire. He wanted to be Blackula, and he <laughs> said he didn't get the role, so he was like, "This is my chance and opportunity." Yeah. Yeah. So he he was very very intimidating and amazing to work with. Another another thing I liked about the movie was the animation sequence. Um, oh, I, I think you. it works oh, yeah. really well. It it it, it does the, the that that thing that we strive so much while we're writing scripts, which is you want to do exposition, but n- n- you want it to be entertaining. You you don't want to bore mm-hmm. your audience. You don't want them to be ahead of you either. Yeah. So this was a very economical way of conveying the story. Um, awesome, and I think you. I think it 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 takes what we've learned from from this story, and it adds this whole slavery aspect of it, and why it's taking place here in in New Orleans. I think it works perfect. Awesome, thank you so much. So, is there a sequel in the works? You know, I don't know. People have been asking about it. A lot of people have been asking. Um, I haven't really talked to the writer yet, or the you know, studio honestly, about that, honestly, but... I wanted to see more of those vampire warriors. Yeah. Right? Or, yes. or m- maybe Shauna joins the vampire yes. warriors after Pedro finally yep. does the transition. I don't know something. Yes. Transition. I'm, I'm just spitballing. <laughs> spitballing. Transformation. <laughs> transformation yes um i i really hope so people have been asking us i hope we'll see well all right we'll see rock on (laughs) all right maybe next year for uh for the the welcome to bloom house number three yes yeah yeah you know i i am surprised that the title black as night hasn't uh been done already i know right i yeah when i heard it i was like that sounds familiar but i don't know yeah I don't think mm-hmm. there's a, a movie, so though it's Mm-mm. cool though. Now you have it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Joanoski. Anything anything else you want to add before we wrap this up? No, uh I, this has been very inspiring. So and I and I really mean it. You know, it's kinda oh, like a awesome. call hearing everything you said because I I can I can do it. You know, when I hear mm-hmm. you, I was like, mm-hmm. those are the kind of stuff that I do. I just yeah. have to keep doing, keep pushing forward, and like you said, mm-hmm. create. Uh, let yeah. my work be out there. So, so yes. thank you for this. Thank you for creating this type of movie, and you're really cool. 
<laughs> you guys are amazing. This is one of, I think this is the best interview I've done, and I've done hundreds in the last couple of weeks. So oh, thank, thank you. This is honestly the best interview I've ever done. Like, this is awesome. All right. You guys are amazing. Thank you. Folks, Thank you. Blackest Night is streaming on Amazon Prime Video, so you can watch it right now. Marty, thank you so much. You've been so gracious with your time. Thank you for agreeing to do this. It has been so good to reconnect with you and talk about your past and your projects. And you know what? You're welcome to come back again to cut to talk about you know whatever you have in the future, or if you just Absolutely. want to talk movies, you just come horror here. movies. Yeah, we just can talk horror. about movies. Let's, Let's talk about Bloomhouse in general. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you guys so now, much. By this the is way, is, is there a way for for people to reach out or contact you these days? Social media, perhaps. Yeah. So my Instagram is at Marty Go, and you can find me there. Message me there. Um, my Facebook, I don't really go on Facebook too much, uh, but <laughs> Instagram's the best. And then I just started a Twitter. <laughs> I don't even okay. know what it's called. <laughs> it's like I don't even know my name on it. I think it's like Moody Tang or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. But yeah, Instagram's the best way. All right. What yeah. about you, Jovanovsky? You can find me at Chit Chando on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. All right, and you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Media Review Pod. That's Media R E V U E Pod, and you can send us an email with questions, comments, and suggestions to MediaReviewPod at gmail dot com, or you can leave a voice message by calling four zero seven six zero three five eight four seven. Please don't forget to subscribe to our feed, rate and review the pod with five beautiful stars. Again, Marty, thank you so much for coming along, and to all our listeners out there, if you find yourself counted amongst the undead. Please stay away from windows, especially ones above the first floor of a building. <laughs> stay in the dark, feast at night, and as always, don't forget to breathe. Till next time, have a good one. Bye bye.